With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello. all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. I'm Mari Forth. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. Subscribe to our feed at robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed to get your true crime on Tuesdays. Sarah, what are we talking about today? Well, let's open today's file. We watched Hell of a Cruise on Peacock. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Nick Quested. Uh, he's a British documentary filmmaker. Uh, his previous films include Blood on the Wall, about migrants heading to the US across the border, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Hell on Earth. He obviously likes things with hell in the title. Uh, that's <laughs> about the fall of Syria and the rise of ISIS. But we can't take this cruise alone, steaming along with us. We need the guidance of events professional and personal chef. Emily Fox. Emily, welcome to Crime Scene. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be on with you two. Hell of a cruise. <laughs> hell of a cruise. <laughs> yes, hell of a cruise. We're so glad to have you on, Emily. Uh, you know, one, I, had, I had spoken to Josh and he was like, Emily would love to be on your show. I was like, well, then we have to have her on. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a minute since I've like wielded my my true crime sword, but like... I'm always down to talk about stuff like this. I think like, you know, I get sucked in like a lot of people do where you're like, okay, are you hearing about this new show that's coming out? You better watch it. One of my best friends from home, Lee McLaren, who's podcasted with me a few times, uh, will text me and live text me where she's like, okay, you got to You got to get onto this right now. I'm, I'm oh. sitting in bed. It's 8 PM. You need to be watching this alongside me. And I'm like, well, I live in New York. You live in Boston, <laughs> but like, yeah, oh. sure. I'll, I'll get into bed and I will turn it on too. So we can watch together. Um, Lee, you need to message us. Keep us in. The I know. I know. That's your suggestions. <laughs> right. so, uh, Emily, what, that, that leads well into, we ask our guests, what is your true crime origin story? How did you okay. get into it? What do you get? out of it what's what do you like about it <laughs> i mean i feel like i was a kid who loved unsolved mysteries I thought mm -hmm. that that was always a pretty compelling TV show. I watched both iterations of it. I got really into watching the Dennis Farina uh, episodes when I 
<laughs> like which is like the <laughs> least popular thing to say so people are like yeah people are like ew why and i'm like i don't know they were always on this one channel and i can't even remember what channel it was but i would watch it in the morning before i would go to work and then mm. when i quit my job and and was doing more events side stuff and uh going to grad school I had plenty of time in the morning. So I'd be like, let's see how far this will take me. And sometimes like it would be like four episodes in a row. And Josh would be like, hey, are you, are you going to shower? Because like I'm going to shower now. Like are you? I, and I'd be like, oh, I just need to watch this one more time. Like I need to know. <laughs> I need to just see if there's something that, you know, they missed. Like the detectives didn't figure out that I might figure out. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the most compelling <laughs> things about true crime is that you feel like you're along for the ride. And maybe, mm-hmm. just maybe you might have the clue that's missing in the search, right? Like you might be able to identify something that nobody else can, or you might be able to see, Hey, this guy seemed really sketchy right off the bat. Why was there no like sort of semblance of red flags? Why couldn't we figure this out sooner? Mm -hmm. I think it really, it scratches an itch for me where I'm like, well, yeah, like let's let's figure this out. Like a problem solving, problem <laughs> so, solving. Yeah, that's what I say that that problem solving itch. Are you generally uh, drawn to a certain like genre at all? I mean, name? I was really watching a ton of Discovery Discovery ID when it first came out, and I remember mm-hmm. being at like a fine dining restaurant talking to Josh about this one episode. Like we were literally in like course five or something of this like extravagant <laughs> meal and he took me out and he, and I'm talking I'm like and then this happened and then like another wife disappeared and, da, 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 da. <laughs> and there's a guy pouring water and he was like are you guys talking about discover like ID discovery and I was like yeah and he goes god my girlfriend watches that all the time she yep. always tells me everything that's going on and Josh looked at him and was like yeah <laughs> and we were both like, and, and he looked back at me and was like maybe we'd have else and i was like i'm sorry um no it has to be tit for tat you get to talk true crime he gets to talk post post show recap yeah literally (laughs) and yeah yeah all of the uh prestige television and i'm Mm -hmm. just here being like and let me get my magnifying glass out and really figure out this next thing so you're in the right place with a magnifying glass yeah all right let's dive into the crime uh, on the 20th of January, 2020, an 80-year-old passenger from Hong Kong embarked on the Diamond Princess in Yokohama, sailed one segment of the itinerary and disembarked in Hong Kong on the 25th of January. Uh, he visited a local Hong Kong hospital six days after leaving the ship where he tested positive for COVID-19. On the 4th of February, while the ship was still in Japanese waters, 10 passengers were diagnosed with COVID-19. The ship was quarantined in Yokohama and the infected included uh, 24 Australians and 13 Americans. Home countries arranged to evacuate their citizens and quarantine them further in their own countries. And on 1st of March, all on board, including the crew, uh, had disembarked. By the 16th of March, at least 712 passengers and crew had tested positive for the virus. On the 30th of March, the ship was cleared to sail again, and as of the 14th of April, 14 of those on board had died. And now to another ship, 
From the 15th of March 2020, Australia banned cruise ships arriving from foreign ports. However, exemptions were granted to allow four ships already en route to Australia to dock and disembark their passengers. On the 19th of March 2020, the Ruby Princess docked in Sydney, and Sydney siders will remember this because we went down and we stared at it. Uh, The cruise ship was forced to return to Sydney early after some passengers reported respiratory problems. They were returning from New Zealand but disembarking passengers were not told that anybody on board had any symptoms on the voyage. By the 24th of March, a passenger had died, and by the 30th of March, at least 440 passengers, now in every state and territory of Australia, had tested positive, and by the 31st of March, five of them had died. As of the 4th of April of that year, the total cases rose to 662 with seven dead, and this did not include about 900 passengers who left Australia without being tested. By April 5th of 2020, 30% of COVID-related deaths in Australia were linked to the Ruby Princess. The main takeaway there for the Ruby Princess, for those who don't know, is with confirmed positive cases on board, the ship docked and passengers were allowed to disembark. So, Mari, you suggested this uh, documentary for us. What was it that attracted you about it? So um, one of the things that attracted it to to me about it is it's kind of like the hindsight that we have. It's, you know, been two years out since the um, starting of the lockdown of the pandemic, you know, some people say the pandemic is over fine um (laughs) but it was a very interesting time capsule style documentary so the documentary is basically kind of like cobbled together uh videos and pictures from the passengers on board so it it, we have talking heads talking about their experience on board we have uh, several passengers who are interviewed and then we have footage of like their camera footage of them docked, them in the cruise ship. Like, I love stuff like that. We, we talked about it with like Gladbeck and, and stuff like that. Like the raw footage of an event happening always seems more interesting to me than reenactments <laughs> or anything else. Um, and so I, I was like 15 minutes into this this documentary and I was like, hey, maybe we should we should cover this because at its crux, um, even though I don't think they kind of hit it hard enough in the documentary, it was one of those things where it's like, w- at what point did the uh, Carnival Cruise Line, who owns m- multiple cruise lines, when did they know that uh, Corona, um, pr- the coronavirus would be a problem? And why didn't they stop their ships to continue to depart? Um, because the numbers are staggering, just like Sarah said, with the Ruby Princess that severely uh, affected Australia, the Diamond Princess, uh, those passengers ended up coming here, being quarantined here. Um, and then we also had the, the Costa. Costa uh, Luminosa. The, yeah, Costa Luminosa that docked in France. So um, they said, I think they said at the around the end of the documentary, about 18, 17 or 18% of all COVID cases at that point were linked to the cruise ships. So it's very interesting, like for me with like the science background and all that, like the the intersection of where, you know, policy and corporation greed and infectious diseases like kind of <laughs> come together. And also just the whole awesome time cap. I don't know awesome is the word, but the just the bird's eye view of people discovering the information as it happens. Because at this point, when 
when all of this is happening, this virus is new. They have no idea, you know, what people don't understand about like government regulations and the, the, the WHO and CDC is they were just learning about it too. So that's why, you know, each step was something different and the different information was coming out. So I just like, I just like that. It's like a time capsule and it perfectly kind of just sets you off for like, Oh, we know what's coming. These people don't know what coming what's coming. Cause in, in, in parts of the documentary, they're like, we'll it'll be a sale again in like two months. It's like, no, yeah. No, that won't. rising, that rising dread is, is basically, yes. mm-hmm. uh, it's not, I was going to say manufactured. It's not manufactured. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director just simply lays piece after piece of information. As you say, we know what's coming. Interestingly, although it wasn't said in the, in this documentary, uh, the CDC studied the virus's behaviour through the Diamond Princess, which was at Yokohama mm-hmm. in quarantine for more than 15 days, and they discovered that it was airborne and that it could spread through asymptomatic carriers because of uh, the Diamond Princess as a sort of mm-hmm. petri dish there. But uh, it was more than a month before the US government would recommend base coverings, mm-hmm. uh, even though they had this information. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just take a step back and talk mm-hmm. about cruises. I've worked on cruise ships as what they call enrichment personnel. Enrichment personnel are crew who might give a talk on the flora and fauna of an island you're about to visit, or they might teach basket weaving. Uh, in my past, I've been a bridge professional, so I taught uh, bridge and ran bridge games for Cunard, uh, which is a line that's owned by Carnival. Carnival owns Princess P&O, and I also worked for uh, Royal Caribbean. And while I was on a Royal Caribbean ship, quite a small one of only 2,000 passengers, we were visited by Miss Nora, uh, the Nora virus, which is not airborne. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, touch, uh, it's touch uh, transmitted, yeah. a very, very short incubation and a very, very short uh, illness period, very unpleasant, 24 hours. The way it was handled on the ship was absolutely incredible. Uh, as soon as one was uh, diagnosed. You got a little yellow sticker on the door and they brought you, I think, dry toast and chicken soup or something like that. And you were absolutely forbidden from going anywhere. I didn't get it, but it was like a ghost ship at one point. And a man brought it on, lied about his uh, his condition. And even though he was quarantined, he went about the ship. And when this was discovered, they literally put him off at the next island. He was off the ship because that's part of the terms of carriage is if you disobey the medical officer, you're put off. Uh, And the secondary transmission was a woman who had three children, one of whom had the norovirus. She was told all of them had to stay in the cabin for 24 hours. Just 24 hours. We laugh at that now. With yeah, our, that seems like nothing. <laughs> uh, but the children got bored, so she let them go out and run around the ship. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. everything. Yeah. I, I loved cruises. I loved working on the cruise ships. I had a, a very good time. I mean, I was privileged uh, in terms of crew in the enrichment personnel because you actually get a passenger cabin, not a crew cabin. But I did see the crew quarters and um, and saw how terribly hard they worked yeah i'm um, sure we'll get into that yeah <laughs> so what about the two of you do you have any cruise experience um i do not uh wow. i yeah we i've never been on a cruise my parents classically both get horribly seasick and that mm. got passed on to me 
So <laughs> I just take it easy. I watch the boats go by. I, I pop a good Dramamine if there's a whale watch every 15 to 20 years that I go on. Um, if there's a ferry I need to take, I, I religiously sort of research how long it's going to be. What are the seas like? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, but I did notice one of the things I appreciated at the beginning of this documentary actually was one of the passengers being like, cruises work for me. I unpack my bag once mm-hmm. and then I get to see all of these different places. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense to me. I get yep. it. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like that's like the best argument for a cruise I could imagine. Like, yeah, you, you don't even have to worry about it. You have a home base, like it's all good. And you just like mm-hmm. pop off and go and see different things. So like that makes a lot of sense to me. That being that's- said, uh, I've met someone who had norovirus at a, a baggage claim once. Josh and I were waiting for our bags and this guy came up to us and he was like, I got to tell you, I've been locked up for days. I got the norovirus on this. This is a really incredible cruise that me and my wife were taking. And I was just like, uh-huh. And backing up the whole time. I was like, oh, you get close to me. And like, I could tell he was just starved for attention and like, you know, had been like by himself the whole time. But I remember just like pushing Josh back a little bit, being like, maybe you should go look for our bags again. And he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, then we're just going to say goodbye to this nice man and hopefully not pick up anything that he's, he's putting down. But like, do not lick him. Oh, God, right. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. about to say. <laughs> I tend to have a hard and fast rule where I don't lick strangers generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. this is definitely one of those times I made sure that it didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, so I remember being like, man, they've got it. Like you hear these stories every once in a while where there's a virus that goes around. But I remember specifically um, when we first heard about this cruise in 2020 and me looking at Josh being like, I don't think I ever will go on a cruise. Like, (laughs) like it was a hard no before, but like, it's a real hard no now, like listening to all of the things that were developing out of it. But it was very much in my periphery and I didn't think too hard about it really Mm -hmm. to the point that I did with this documentary. Right. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like it's not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Norovirus is like a uh, st- like a more of a stomach flu. So, right. Right. Yeah. It's not airborne, but it's very touch, very like if you're handling food that other people handle, which is the main crux of it, because mm-hmm. on cruises, it's more buffets and yep. of yourself and all of that. So that yeah. So that makes sense. So, yeah. Norovirus was one of the first ones that broke out on the ships. I gave them the bad. <laughs> I gave them the bad, like the bad name, and then they're like, "Oh, norovirus is gone, come back!" And then like, here comes coronavirus. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So for me, I've been on two cruises. I had actually planned to go on a third. My third cruise was scheduled for May 2020, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the first two cruises were amazing. Went off without a hitch. Um, one was like, I my when I graduated from college, so about 11 years ago. Um, had so much fun. We then went back three years after that. Almost got we almost got engaged on that cruise, but um, my dad didn't pick up in time for uh, James to get the okay. So oh, no. <laughs> I had to wait an extra <laughs> two months. Uh, <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, we were so excited. We were going to take JJ on his first cruise and all of that. We had it scheduled for May 2020. We had um, we had made the the plans May 2019 and the final payment was due February 20 
7th ish, like the last week of February 2020. And it was right around my uh, JJ's birthday is like in February. So um, it was right around his, his birthday when we started hearing the rumblings of like, that's when we finally like coronavirus was finally like kind of coming into our continent. And we're like, okay. And like two weeks after two, three weeks after um, we were in full shutdown. So we had decided we had decided we kept hearing all these like bad things. We were, I think at this point, like I said, February, February 20th, 27th ish in this documentary, they're, they're showing you like, it's right around that time that the, we, you start hearing about the diamond princess. And so we were just like, you know what? We don't know what's going on. Let's not pay this money and lose it. We, yeah. we lost, we lost our $250 like deposit or whatever. Cause it was going to be with carnival. Um, but we were like, at least we won't lose th- the thousands of dollars. And it ended up being a, the, a good choice because our cruise, like <laughs> I said, was in May. So yeah. it would have definitely got canceled. And I don't know what they would have done about the reimbursements because as we saw in this documentary, they were not trying to give the money back <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like cruising and we, you know, we like are, I've only cruised a few times, but I've like managed to get up a level because they love throwing stuff at people. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think we were gold cruisers, like when we were on our last Did you get to wear a captain's hat? Like some of the guys on the, on the show? See, no, because I don't like people. Like, <laughs> we Wait, you, you don't like people, but you like cruising? How does that work? Exactly. A, a cabin. Like we got, like I said, we got upgraded. Our second, the second time we were on there, we got upgraded to this really nice cabin that was at the front of the boat and we had all windows. I'll send y'all pictures, but okay. it, it, our whole cabin was a like a floor to ceiling window and you open it up and it, you could just see the boat like cutting through the water it was beautiful um so yeah we stayed in our cabin <laughs> but you know we enjoyed the we enjoyed the rest of the boat but yeah i ain't talking to nobody if you didn't come with me so let, let's move to the to this particular documentary emily mm-hmm. where's the crime <laughs> so that's the thing. So when you guys sent me the info and you were like, we're going to talk about this. I was like, okay, awesome. And I was like, huh, interesting choice. Right. <laughs> and then I started thinking about like, what is true crime? Like what, what, like, what is the definition of true crime? There's crime virtually everywhere you look, if we really dig deep enough. Right. There it is. <laughs> um, but this is a very particular and specific crime. It's not an obvious one where it's like, well, the coronavirus did it and that's it. <laughs> like, 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 sure, we can scapegoat Corona, but really the true underbelly of this, like the, the real beast behind it all is the cruising industry. And like mm-hmm. a lot of it, you know, sort of unregulated, unchecked, they're able to cut a lot of corners as they discussed at, at one point, they're not really paying income taxes because they're registered uh-huh. in Bermuda, Bermuda as a business. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and, you know, by skirting a lot of that and to, and exploiting workers um, and really considering their bottom line rather than the health and safety of passengers, even though yada, 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 Arnold Donald loved to say that over and over again, we're really mm-hmm. concerned about our guests. And I was like, Arnold Donald, what a name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, 
The crime, yeah, really lies, I think, within this industry and also sort of other players involved, you know, like the political angles of this. I mean, everyone understandably was scrambling, but the fact that there was no clear messaging behind a lot of sort of like policies that needed to be enacted right away. There was no real discussion of like, okay, what is a united way in which we can kind of effectively strategize and disseminate information and protect people? And that ultimately didn't happen. And as you see the numbers rack up throughout the documentary of, okay, this is how many people are infected and this is how many after that. And and you just and we all know what that looks like. Right. It's just like a dial that's moving faster and faster as more people are exposed it mm-hmm. gave me the chills and I was literally I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a hoodie right now. I, I said to Josh, I go, come in here. You need to see what I look like. And he walked in and my hoodie was over my head with my drawstrings pulled tight. Mm-hmm. And I was just like hiding from it because I was watching as they're just busing people and evacuating people, but not really testing people properly. Mm-hmm. And obviously no one really knows what's going on. It's just a matter of like corralling everybody to safety, we think. But in reality, you know, that's that's not what it really was. Right. Um, and, you know, I love an electric thermometer like no other. <laughs> I love being able to measure when oil is a certain temperature without getting like a dirt, like without messing up a thermometer. It's really great to have the little thermometer gun. It was such a fun thing to have prior to the pandemic. Now it's kind of lost its luster, I think, for most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But like, that's not really going to tell you anything at the end of the day, right? It's, it's sort of like a false sense of security because of how many people um, were asymptomatic, right? Yeah. Or were developing symptoms later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ultimately, it falls on the cruise lines. Wow. Yeah. Like, insane crimes. Insane. And like, I feel like it hasn't even really been resolved. Like... <laughs> no, nope, not at all. And everybody at the end is like, "Man, I can't wait to cruise again." And there's only a few, there are like only a few people that were like, "I don't think I'll go on the princess lines again." <laughs> just like, oh my god! But it's what? like, okay, if you don't go on the princess lines, are you gonna see and like you would? Carnival owns a lot of them. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, like you follow better, the like, money. Like go to Royal Caribbean or something. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, a good point, Emily. Because I'm watching this and my anxiety was flaring up. Yes, too. Like, it was it, triggering, right? Very, very triggering. Like I, yeah, I, I was just like, oh god, nobody's wearing masks. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And Sweet you just summer see, yeah, you <laughs> see everybody sort of like in these small tight spaces, like mm-hmm. watching like a, a quick little like dance like happening Number, from, yep. yeah yeah like entertainers people like you know it, at the gam- like gambling gambling drinking <laughs> and you know all not of the a care in the world right like <laughs> and all of the things that you honestly go to do on a cruise right like yeah. especially if you have no access to to any countries like you're not stopping anywhere you're just sort of there and you've paid all this money and you're looking to let loose and relax and I think there was an error. I mean, I remember. So I was in Japan three days before those people left Yokohama. So I was in Tokyo at the airport. And I remember there being a lot of flights that were getting canceled to other Southeast Asian countries that were already starting to be like, no, 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 no. We're not letting a lot of people in. 
And I remember looking at Josh being like, I wonder if it's that virus. And he was like, yeah, it probably is. And I was like, yeah, it's probably good. We're getting out of here when we are. Mm-hmm. And then like three days later is when everybody's getting onto this, this cruise in Yokohama. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that yeah. bad, right? Like, cause yeah, you, yeah. you try to rationalize it. Like, none of us have been through a pandemic before. We don't know. <laughs> like, you know. And- but interestingly, they they disembarked in Hong Kong. They're very excited about uh, Chinese New Year, Konhei mm-hmm. Choi, and they got to a pretty deserted Hong Kong where a lot of the uh, celebrations and gatherings had been cancelled. Uh, this is an Asian country. Who knows about? Uh, containment, I guess, of mm-hmm. yeah, because of SARS, uh, and they were disappointed that they that they didn't get to see all the celebrations. So they had a couple of dragons on board the ship, and you think the difference in the response of the two of uh, well, one country and one uh, corporation, uh, shall we say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that the the first thing that Carnival did, the first action it took was to cancel the non-profitable group events like dancing or basket weaving or whatever it might be, whereas uh, the serving of alcohol and the casinos remained open. Mm-hmm. Mm, very telling. Um, which is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's about the money, money, money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even with the uh, Diamond Princess uh, in quarantine uh, in Yokohama, they were still sending cruise ships off. They were still sending lines off and they were saying no refunds. You are perfectly safe to get on these ships, no refunds. And with a lack of, you know, a lack of uh, clear instructions from a government, mine or yours, uh, you can also see how people thought, oh, well, I suppose we will still go. Right. And found themselves on the Grand Princess, found themselves on the uh, Costa Luminosa. Yeah. Preventable if people had taken a hard decision, but the hard decision meant that somebody was going to lose money. And that, to me, is is also the crime. Yes. And we have just a, a, a moderate amount of your former guy, and one of the things he was saying, of course, famously, which I'd forgotten, is he didn't want the ships to dock it and disembark and he didn't want to receive uh, repatriated Americans because it would make the, the numbers. COVID numbers go up. And yeah. the, the fixation on, on like that versus like Oof. it's here and it's going to get worse. Yeah. And rather than getting upset about like one or two like PR decisions, like you need to look at this as a as a complex whole and and know that this is gonna be what it is. Like yeah. And yeah, it, oh, that was really triggering for me. Too. Yes. It was like, no, 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 no. I needed a trigger warning. I mean, yeah. I'm, not even, I'm not American. Murray, for you, who's the villain of this piece? If there has, is one. Of course, it has to be uh, Ar- Arnold Ronald, right? He had like two. Arnold Donald. Of- Arnold Donald. I was like, it, his name's <laughs> Rhyme. The CEO of uh, Carnival, who I think the documentary is pretty much trying to at least seed it in there like this guy is the face of carnival he keeps going on all of these um shows saying it's okay to cruise it's okay to cruise and like sarah said if 
if what they had dealt with with the, the Diamond Princess in Yokohama, if they had stopped cruising right then and there, then we wouldn't have got the Ruby Princess. We wouldn't have got the Costa Luminosa. And wasn't there, I think there was an American ship. That's what surprised me about this documentary. Uh, when, Like I said, I was 15 minutes in when I said we, when I suggested we should watch it. And once I kept re- watching, I was like, oh, this is titled Hell of a Cruise, but this is Hell of a Cruise It's. <laughs> it was multiple cruises. Um, I, I really thought we were just going to stick with the Diamond Princess, but I love that they that they talked about the Ruby Princess and all that because I didn't know about these these other cruises and how they had they had embarked they had embarked like later, like at months later than um the the Diamond Princess. And it's just like so many lives that were lost could have probably not been lost if you had just shut down the, the shipping industry right then and there. Um, they kept saying, we have precautions. We have disinfectant that kills COVID in 30 seconds. I don't believe you. I don't no. believe you. <laughs> you know, so um, I, I like that. It, it wasn't a turn or a twist or anything, but I thought it added a lot of context to, again, um, piling onto this idea that this is a true crime property because you know, we're playing with you were playing with people's lives here. Yeah. And of course, you you know, ignorance because they don't know what the virus is that we you give a little bit of grace for that. But still, when you have sick passengers that are in that are quarantining on your ship on a ship in uh, Tokyo, why are you letting another ship in like Sydney leave? Why are you letting another ship in uh, the south of France leave? Uh, like, why wouldn't you want to be more safe than sorry? But it's like, no, they're they're thousands of miles away, so it shouldn't matter. So um, that was one of the things I definitely wanted to point out because it, it could have been stopped. You know, just like a lot of our numbers when COVID first happened, a lot of this could have been stopped if there was more quick and decisive action, even in the face of uncertainty. We should have had quick and decisive action so that we could have stopped the spread instead of just like, well, let's see where this goes. <laughs> I mean, we're throwing a lot of dates and numbers at you. Uh, yeah. And- when I when I did the the rundown of the crime I did, but rest assured, with this documentary, one of the things they do extremely well Very is well. locate us in time, and particularly to remind us that it was a day by day changing landscape and racking up of numbers. So we have the ticker uh, of mm-hmm. the numbers, but also it really located me. I knew what day certain things had happened and like Mari I was shocked to re- to realize or remember I don't know if I ever knew it that even after the the Diamond Princess was in quarantine other ships were sailing the Ruby Princess was a cruise um, between Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. and it seeded a small cluster in uh, Napier and after which the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern uh, basically shut the country down and they got at 1.20 cases that's no longer the case but it was a a demonstration of that quick and decisive very very hard decisions obviously she was um, being fought tooth and nail uh, by people who had money uh, that mm-hmm. was going to be lost uh, such decisive decisions were not made by Ronald McDonald what's his name <laughs> <laughs> That's very uh, rude. That's Donald. very that's very disrespectful of me. Arnold Donald. Arnold who Donald. In twenty twenty, his uh, remuneration was ten million and something dollars, and yeah. in twenty twenty one, his remuneration was thirteen million and something dollars, and he is retiring this year. Uh-huh. 
he had he was forced to step down from what i understand <laughs> but they gave him 13 million dollars anyway so do you think they'll put him on a cruise ship to and like set sail like out into the the open waters for a crew party and then just leave him there <laughs> like you do a real cruise yeah like that, that's, that's talk, talk on that emily yeah so my understanding was that like other people were able to get off um and not not the not the diamond princess it was one of the other ships i Thing. I was the think Ruby it was the Ruby. Mm-hmm. Ruby, yeah, yeah. Uh, every, all the guests uh, were able to uh, leave the ship, but then as an act of morale boosting, I suppose, they they decided to send the crew out onto the open water just so they could like enjoy and and sort of have like blow off some steam after such an intense couple of weeks. And then they just got stuck out there and were like, why won't you let us come home? And certain people ended up committing suicide because depression was was out of control and there was no real oversight or or discussion of when people were going to be returned home. Uh I think that is insane. That's crazy to me. That's criminal. It is. the crime. Yeah, yeah. Because when the the crew, if uh, they're generally bunking together, and if one crew member tested positive, the other was also Mm -hmm. very medieval, shut the door on them, basically. Mm -hmm. And so you were in there. But but this was happening all over, the infected and the uninfected being quarantined together. So the crew have no windows. I've, I've been in the crew cabins and they are... They're just little little rooms uh, with no windows, so no time of day, uh, no pay. They weren't being paid because they were being given a holiday. Right, which is seat. just an absolute sham. This mm-hmm. was not the only uh, ship that was out to sea with a crew sitting on it uh, with no wage and no uh, understanding of when they would be released I mean, they were literally imprisoned. I mean, it happened to the crew of the Ever Given as well. Uh, when the Ever Given was stuck in the canal, they were not right. off offloaded either. And I'm and still trying to figure out, like, why did they do all of this? Like, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. Is it so that they can't have any sort of recourse because they're not getting paid? They're like, oh no, you're just like we're like putting you up right now. We have to believe that that's probably the mindset, right? Because you let all of the passengers off. Right. But then you say, oh, but the crew has to stay on. And um, that will be, I will give a trigger warning for that for the listeners. Like that was the one and only time it was what, about 40 minutes into the documentary where they were talking about the suicides on board the cruise ships mm-hmm. and they showed um, the recovery of a body. Um, it was kind of far away. It wasn't close up, but just trigger warning for any of our sensitive uh, listeners. Uh, I'm glad it was, I mean, yes, but I'm glad it was included because it's also a tale of two worlds. mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you can cruise fairly inexpensively, but nonetheless, you have to have uh, the luxury of money and the luxury of time to go Mm -hmm. cruising. And while it's seen by a lot of the crew as a good job, it's a very hard job. And they were the last on any of these ships, they were the last to be repatriated. And the costs of the repatriation were uh, generally covered by the, the, the government of the country itself and not Carnival. In fact, uh, Japan paid for 94% of the costs of the uh, Diamond Princess being in Yokohama and the hospitalizations and, and, and so absurd. on after it. That's absurd. Ugh. 
It's so upsetting. Yeah. 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 Um, I think one of the more uh, stunning things that I can't remember who says this, but one of the the, the talking heads says, well, this just feels like a, a great example of like late stage capitalism. And like, that's exactly <laughs> what this is. Like we are, we're exploiting workers who are getting paid little to nothing. Uh-huh. We are not not paying our taxes. We're paying our CEO millions of dollars uh-huh. and we're sort of gaslighting a whole bunch of guests into thinking that they can do this like really affordable trip when in reality we're we're just like kind of running everybody to the ground otherwise. Like yes. Yes. If you cruise, I mean, Murray, you'll know this. You are given, well, certainly on Royal Caribbean and on Cunard, you're given a an amount of tips that you must give to your mm-hmm. the person who makes up your room, to the waiter that you have for your for your um, seating for dinner, uh, to the maitre d, and there's a fourth uh, person. It has to be at least this amount, and you are given the envelopes. So while yeah. your cruise might be inexpensive, your alcohol is not. If you use the casino, it's not. Uh, when you go uh, to any of the excursions, are incredibly overpriced, but it just seems easy. I'll just go to the desk, and they'll organise this excursion when I get off ship i'll be on a bus and i'll be taken up this volcano or whatever it is and for yeah. what it is it very uh, expensive and then you are also uh, supplementing the the income of the workers and it's absolutely necessary they live on on those uh, tips unfortunately yeah. we buy the tip package like we we pay it all up front like they say, okay, this is your, your cost of your journey. This is the calculated amount of tips that we think that you're going to accumulate. We're like, cool, do that. And then we would still like cash, cash tip whenever we, um, we did. I, I like cruising. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of like these people at the end of the thing. I'm like, I truly did <laughs> like cruising when we yeah. did, when we cruise. Cause it's just, it is, it's really simple. You pay all everything up front and basically it's, you know, you go about your day. The the drinks are like unlimited. We if we get the unlimited drink packages, stuff like that. Like cruising, it is fun, but it, it is a yeah. very high risk of disease. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Emily, the big liners now are stabilized. You you are very unlikely to get seasick on one of the big liners. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, but like all the corruption. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's yes. Yes. Oh, I what see. What ceremony is just don't look out the windows when, okay. when you shove it when you're shoving off. Got it. Me, it's always when you're shoving off. Like it, when I'm out to sea, I'm fine. But it's when <laughs> when the boat is pulling out. Yeah. And I'm seeing the land. That's when I always would get lightheaded. So mm-hmm. I would just not look out. I yeah. just wouldn't look mm-hmm. out. And but the water that, taxis. The water taxis to and from. No, those are bad. I, I was watching them when we were in Greece this summer and I was like, I don't think so. I don't think mm. I can do it. Now those <laughs> boats, those are choppy. Like water yeah. taxis, yeah. water tours. Yeah. yeah. And yes. I don't want to barf in front of a whole bunch of strangers. Like I'm good. <laughs> you know what? They don't want you to either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, shall we shall we move to who I'm going to call the hero of the documentary? Sure, uh, yes. Dr. Michael Callahan. He's an infectious diseases expert and he had Dr. Mike written on his overall. <laughs> and he is the one when I'm on an airplane and there's turbulence, I'm a, not a nervous flyer. I give my myself over to science <laughs> and the expertise of the pilots uh, and also statistics. But if there's a little bit of shaking, <laughs> I look at the crew and if their faces are calm, you think, yep, 
all its I do well. the same thing, yep. <laughs> so looking at the face of Dr. Mike, you think, well, somebody knows it's serious because <laughs> this was an infectious diseases expert who, like everybody else, was new to coronavirus. And the worry and deep concern, uh, not to say alarm, on this man's face, and we see quite a lot of him, and there's another documentary which I'll talk about later where we see Dr. Mike again. He is the one that is taking it extremely seriously, and you feel that he feels, you know, he's holding back a, a fire hose with a, with a, with a cotton bud. Murray, how did Dr. <laughs> Mike uh, strike you? Um, yeah, like he, he was, he felt like the light in the tunnel, but unfortunately it's like still systems from that weren't from his control. Like it, it, he could, he wouldn't have been able to stop the bleeding. It was like a, an artery gash and a, and a bandaid, like said, like it was just one of those things where he had the right idea. He had the right idea of trying to like separate, like get the Americans off, you know, because they had been sitting on that ship for, it was almost a full 14 days. I think before like the uh, America had like their own scientists, including Dr. Mike come in and walk around the ship. And Dr. Mike was like, yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, Let's try and get these people off. But there were so many things that went wrong in the execution that again i don't even know if i can really blame on him other than there's a rampant virus like pouring through the ship where people can be asymptomatic and and pass it along back then if you you know it's so weird to think about it today like the incubation period was uh, up to 14 days back then like we're used to the new omicron where it's like two to three days you got it like if you were in, yeah. if you were in contact with somebody you you knew you had it immediately but you know back then it was that there was a longer incubation time where they found out later down the road that asymptomatic people could spread it. So in, in conflicting, you know, information about that. So I, I felt bad for him because they're like, okay, we're going to try and get these people off the boat. Let's do medical checks. But the medical checks are, do you have a fever? No. Have you felt sick? No. It was like, it was kind of like on your word of honor. If I've been <laughs> sitting on a boat for 14 days, I'm like going stir crazy. And I know the only way to get me off this boat is to be like, I don't have a, a disease. Even if I'm like, you know, that some people are going to like lie and or like we said, they could be asymptomatic and not know it. They could have it and not show the symptoms until later. Like anybody would have done anything to get off that boat. I'm sure of it. And, you know, it's not it's not good. You want to you're supposed to think of the, you know, the betterment of everybody else. But after 14 days of going stir crazy, sitting in your cabin, I'm not surprised that some people might have just been like, nope, no Corona over here. You know, <laughs> like trying to breathe. Like, I, you know, it, it, I, I, did, I did feel bad for him about that, but it was very interesting. I, the one thing I will suggest to the listeners that we're not really going to step down and talk about as much is go, if you go and watch this, go and watch it because a lot of the first hand accounts are so. I loved them. I loved hearing directly from the passengers on the ship what they went through talking about that quarantine because I mean, you know, we, we I've had COVID. I know Sarah's had COVID. I've had to quarantine in my house and stuff like that. It was my house and I was still kind of like going a little bit cuckoo. I can't imagine being on a ship where it's a sm the small space depending on what you bought, you know, you know, we saw that four that four family, that family of four in like a, a no window 
bunk bed cabin. I couldn't do it. I'm claustrophobic. I couldn't do any of this. So go list, go listen to the firsthand accounts of the different um, talking heads and, and um, people who were on the ship, because I thought that was the most, um, I really liked that portion of the documentary, hearing their experiences, seeing all of their video, because it was them, it was them on their video documenting. And then one by one, they'd be like, yep, it was on this day that I became sick. It was on this day that I became sick. And it was just uh, very well told from them. But sorry, Dr. Mike, he did good <laughs> with what he could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Emily, it's, it's, it's all very well to say, you know, people didn't know what was known, what was not known. But here you have an expert who sets foot on a ship. He doesn't know the disease either, and he understands how serious it is. I have mm-hmm. to imagine that he showed up, he looked around and was like, it's coming. <laughs> this is going to be awful. Everyone do what you need to do to get these people off. I got to go back to the like home base and like strategize like larger things because this mm-hmm. is going to be everywhere. Also, mm. his PPE was so impressive. It was like this really <laughs> interesting like face framing where I was like, wait, is he covered? And I was like, oh, that's like a very impressive like little plastic helmet that he's got on. It looks really very good. Cool. How come we haven't figured out how to put that on Amazon.com? <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, I think like it, it's one of those things, you know, where you're like knowledge is po- power, but also ignorance is bliss. And he must have been like, <laughs> I am freaking the f- like the F out. And there's probably only like a handful of people that know how bad this is along with me and like sure you guys need to do what you need to do i probably need to go like figure out the bigger picture but yeah, yeah yes I, I mean this the cdc asked for a no sale yeah. order and it was i think mary correct me if i'm wrong two months before a no sale order was was given yeah yeah, yeah or at least i think they said it was at least a month like they wanted to issue it at a certain date and then the white house politics pushed it back because they were afraid of the cruise industry and Florida crashing. So they they held it off for a while and then finally got the no sell order. You know, yeah, it was who cares a, about lives? Classic. Yes, a, a public public relations uh, problem, not a public health problem. Yes. So Emily, any last uh, thoughts about the documentary before we give it a rating? Um, I think overall, like Mari was saying earlier, it, it is a time capsule. And and I think like if you're ready to watch like stuff mm-hmm. from the early COVID and sort of remember where you were, because we all do like I was in mm-hmm. my apartment for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think it's it definitely brings you back because you're watching in real time all of these people being like, Oh, well, uh, you know, I thought I was safe, but then I'm realizing that these people start disappearing and then I don't see these people anymore. And then I watch like all of these really scary people in hazmat suits show up and like taking people away. And I remember what that was like. Like, I remember taking the last time I took the subway before everything shut down, I had worked a private party and I remember at the private party, I have no idea how I didn't get COVID because it was literally March like 8th or something like that and there were people that were staying home because they had just been in Milan for fashion week 
Oh, and no. and COVID was already trending over there. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, Italy's getting hit hard. Good of you to stay home. And I remember like overhearing all of these conversations because honestly, that is one of the most fun things about being a, a private chef is just I like, believe it. yeah, like this, just like the comings and goings of like big parties like that, where you're like, what? What is this person's deal? But mm-hmm. I remember leaving and it was late at night. And I walked into the I think it was like the two, three or something uh, on the Upper West Side. I get in and there is a guy in a hazmat suit with a giant hose hosing down the subway station just with like disinfectant. And I was like, okay, so like this is pretty serious. And I remember (laughs) getting on the train and being like, this is insane. I can't believe I just saw that. And like it, you know, it's like a a scene out of outbreak because like nobody had the context for it. Right. Except for like Dr. Mike and like a handful of other people. So like I think like in that sort of thought process it's fun to go not fun but like it's, it's yeah. <laughs> interesting to go back and re-examine all of this and to kind of see where we were see how far we've come and to actually be able to like sit and like breathe a little easier like do you remember mm-hmm. waking up every day and breathing in because it would be like if you can't take a deep breath it might be one of the first symptoms so oh, like, josh God. and i would always be like <gasps> Okay. I'm already, yeah, like, like yeah, you know, monitoring but like, my breath. Yeah, there's like all of that sort of like psych- psychic sort of energy that we absorbed, right? And like mm-hmm. you know, knowing what that felt like and and seeing it again with fresh eyes and having a little more perspective. Wild, very. Mari, your last thoughts before we write. Um, no more thoughts. Just like, okay. uh, it just, yeah, this is, this was true crime. This is interesting. Let us know if this is, uh, something you guys want to like hear more about. If you, if you white collar crime, <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. This is, yeah. this is white collar crime and let us know how you feel about the documentary. Um, it was, it came at like an hour and 18 minutes. So very mm-hmm. easy. To very watchable. Yeah. 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 So let's let's uh, rate. Uh, Emily, we rate from one to five magnifying glasses, five being the absolute best. Uh, we haven't had a one yet, but, you know, we do hold that for something that we <laughs> perhaps sh- shouldn't have watched. We, go, we got very close uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how would you rate I Hell think, of a Cruise? I think I'll give it a four. Like, I really oh. enjoyed it. Um, I think it was well done. Uh, I think they could have delved deeper, but also like it, there's only so much any of us, I think, can take about a lot of this because it is yes. pretty upsetting <laughs> and pretty recent. Um, but I thought it was it was a very interesting uh, sort of revisiting and retelling of something that I, I kind of knew about, but didn't realize the repercussions of. And like uh-huh. that, seeing it in the timeline and how it spread everything so quickly, I don't think, you know, any of us really understood the gravity of that. So. I give it a four. I think it was pretty good. Oh, that that high praise indeed. Amari, how about you? Um, so I think I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a three point five. Three for like watchability. The point five for the production value of it. I love the production value of this. Like I said, I love all of that found raw footage. Um, the reason why I docked it is there are a lot of things that I feel like they could have gone into an hour and eighteen minutes. I am not going to complain about that length. I will not. <laughs> um, but I will say they could have padded that that time out by um, d- diving a little bit deeper into the cruise industry, like mentioning that the the shady tax deals and, and cutbacks by um, 
uh, registering your boat in Bermuda, they could have expanded on it because there's a lot there. Um, they could have expanded a lot on the, uh, the they kept showing the CEO, um, but not really diving deep enough into uh, maybe some of the money side of it. You know, I really feel like they could have explored a little bit of these offshoots a little bit more. But I did like what we got. I did like knowing about the multiple cruises and the, the time, like Sarah pointed out, I love the time ticker and, and showing us the maps, all the maps. I love a good map <laughs> and, and about the cases going up the day by day. So it was good. I, I would definitely recommend uh, everybody go out and, and watch it, especially since, like I said, we couldn't cover a lot of the stuff here. And a lot of it is just firsthand accounts. So definitely go, go check it out. It's on Peacock. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, I'm a three and a half as well. I, I liked uh, hearing the firsthand accounts, and I think that's what we we haven't conveyed so much. There are a lot of them, so it takes you a while to sort out who's who because we have contemporary yes. interviews with some of them as well. I felt after having watched it, I liked the length. I thought it was very well put together. I thought the dramatic tension held very well for something that was, you know, mm -hmm. basically a, a chronology. I felt that there was detail missing, some delving that I would have liked a little bit more of, and particularly so after I watched um, an HBO documentary short called The Last Cruise. This was made, uh, released last year in 2021. It's only 38 minutes long, and if you watch Hell of a Cruise and are interested, I would definitely recommend it directed by Hannah Olsen. And here there is an enormous weight given to the crew experience. So mm. lots, again, of personal footage that they made, but much more emphasis on the crew and the situation there and their attitudes, their fears, their needs, and uh, the way that they are treated by the industry in general, despite feeling that it is a very good job. Which, which a lot of them do. So I would recommend that as a, as a companion piece. We meet Dr. Mike again, so that's nice. And we mm -hmm. meet a couple of the same passengers. I think a couple of them have made a bit of a, an industry out of being on the Diamond Princess, including mm -hmm. Gay Quarter, who we saw. She wrote a book called Quarantine! Exclamation mark. I have not read it. I will not read it, but <laughs> uh -oh. you may. You may wish to. I uh, just, you know, it was enough. I mean, mm -hmm. I think one of the questions that we talked about is, is it, is there appetite for material about the pandemic? Is there appetite mm -hmm. for corona material? Is it too soon? Yeah, yeah. And I would say it's not too soon for this. It's mm -hmm. uh, very good timing. It's very well made. And I thoroughly recommend it at three and a half for me. Emily. Yes. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners? What are you watching? What are you liking? I mean, I'm sort of, I don't know. I'm all over the place, guys. I, I'm, I live in a TV household, so there's always something True. on. Uh, but, I, you know, I know that there's new Unsolved Mysteries coming out and a, a new season of that. So I'm excited for that. Um, also... What is this like true crime, like Kim Kardashian thing that's like coming out? I just saw that show up and I was like, oh, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> is, is it what the are we doing? It's, it's like, no, it's, um, she is like starting her own podcast actually about like certain, oh, like, you. yeah. And I'm just like, mm, you, yeah. you don't have time for this. Like, 
So I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, but uh, the bling ring. Yeah, that was a whole thing that just, you know, is stay tuned for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I watch everything and, and anything. And I feel like we're, it's just a constant Rolodex of, of <laughs> content. <laughs> but maybe you guys can give me some recommendations. Oh, like, what are you, what are you watching? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Yeah, Mari, what's your recommendation today? So uh, if you still want to know more um, more information about cruises, uh, The Patriot with Hassan Minhaj, uh, which was a great show that I watched mostly during quarantine, funny enough. Um, so bummed out that it got canceled, I think, earlier this year or last year. He does an episode called The Real Cost of Cruises. And that episode was so good. I mean, every episode of The Patriarch is great and it's it's on Netflix. Um, but this was a really good one. And this is what I was talking about, how they could have gone deeper because Hassan um, goes into um, the tax breaks for, sh- for ships um, and how he, he goes through all of the like main cruise lines and where they're like registered. It's really interesting. He talks about deaths aboard cruises and how like there's like a spike and increase in like murders and and deaths on cruises yes and how if a death occurs on a cruise that basically the cruise doesn't have to investigate it like it's such a oh it's so good you guys Um, are not selling me on cruises by the way (laughs) (laughs) true okay true That's not my job. That's, <laughs> no, that's you're Carnival's right. You're job. Right. You're right. <laughs> but this is a great episode. I think I'm going to go back and rewatch it because it's been a minute since I watched it. But so, so good. It goes really in depth. It talks about, I think it talks about the capitalism behind cruises, how they mark up, um, mark up alcohol prices, food prices, all of that. It's amazing. Uh, crew wages, he talks about it all. Also, I just want to address a um, recommendation that we've been getting from a lot of listeners. Everybody is asking us, are we watching Dahmer? Will we be covering Dahmer? And the answer to that will be a no, (laughs) a big fat no, Uh, mostly because um, when me and Sarah first started this podcast, we literally sat down and said, what are the things we will never cover? (laughs) And right near the top is Jeffrey Dahmer, um, mostly because the idolization of Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, some of your well-known, very white serial killers that have this aura about them, this mystique about them. It does not appeal to us. Um, the Dom, we didn't know the Dahmer show was coming out at all when we put it on our list. Um, it's just It just happens. And apparently a lot of the victims' families didn't know it was coming out. And there's been a lot of... Um, There's been a lot of discourse about the show itself. You know, the production say that they wanted to produce a Dahmer show that was from the um, perspective of the victims. I don't think that they accomplished that, especially if the victims' families are saying that they weren't even told. Like, uh, it doesn't matter. They don't, they can use the family's likenesses uh, because it's public record. If it was in the trial, they can use it as public record. But to not even like let them know that something is about to come out, um, a family member of of one of the uh, victims, I think Earl Lindsay's family, um, said they constantly are being re-traumatized by um, the the continuance of D- Dahmer 
uh, properties being made. They they have literally said that they'll just be going about their day and all of a sudden their phones just start blowing up. And the moment that their phones start blowing up, they know something happened with Jeffrey Dahmer. And that is just unfortunate. So the fam- some of the families don't support it. Um, there's been rumors of like on scene, like allegedly behind the scenes, there's been um, some production um, hands who felt like they were mistreated on the set. It's just been a, a hodgepodge of not good things. So we, you know, we try and run a, a clean, as clean a platform as we can um, when it comes to what we choose to um, read, watch, whatever. So just give me all a heads up. We won't be reviewing Dahmer. You know, if you want to feel free, you can send us and tell us what you thought about it. You know, I won't be watching it. Feel free. Um, but it's just something we just don't want to really uh, give our time to or really seem like we're supporting. Uh, how about you, Sarah? Yes, a little palate cleanser from me today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend the 1982 mystery thriller. Death Trap uh, with Christopher Reeves and Michael Caine. Okay. It is a fantastic locked room mystery. Uh, There are three people in it. Diane Cannon is the third. It is a somewhat old-fashioned but rock-solid technique of plotting. I will say no more. Find it, watch it, enjoy it or not. And uh, let me know what you think. But it's one of my favorites. I usually am giving you a true crime. I'm giving you something more contemporary. But uh, today I'm feeling like delving back into the archives for a bit of a mystery thriller. It comes in just under a couple of hours. And if you like true crime and you like thrillers and if you like any of those actors, you are really going to enjoy it. Lovely. At Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's scene, S-E-E-N, or email us at crimescenerhap at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Crime Scene Podcast. That's Crime, S-E-E-N, Podcast, to see bonus materials and to leave your comments and questions. Excellent. It's a good time over there on Instagram. Emily, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? Um, So I am just cooking up a storm these days. Uh, So it's a lot of food content on my Instagram mostly, which is Emlet, which is like an omelet, but spelled with an E. And I have the same handle on Twitter as well. But yeah, just eating and cooking and repeat. (laughs) It's a a good time for both of those things. Um, (laughs) Mari, what have you got going on? So of course, every week you can find me and Matt Scott on the Wrestling Rehap Up podcast, bringing you the highlights in um, wrestling of the week. So we did uh, a great, we had a great episode this past weekend where we had uh, Aaron Robertson on, where he actually broke down and ranked WWE entrance uh, theme songs. So if you want to listen to a musical prodigy uh, break down what he hears and sees when he listens to your favorite WWE entrances, go check that out. You can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed in order to subscribe. You can also catch us on YouTube at Rob Has a Podcast on YouTube. Search Wrestling or Half Up. We even like 
snatch that segment out. If you want to just go and see that segment, it is on the RHAP um, YouTube. Go give that um, some views. Of course, me, Latanya Stark, Chappelle, we're back in Atlanta with Ern and the gang on post-show recaps, where we are recapping Atlanta's fourth and final season. It's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> we are on this journey. It's it's a it's sad because it'll be over, but we're enjoying the ride. So you can always go and listen to us. Um, I think it's postshowrecaps.com slash Atlantapod. Something like that. <laughs> I gotta remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> but we're having so much fun. Go check that out. It, it's a great podcast, even if you, you don't watch Atlanta. Uh, Sarah, what about you? People can follow me on Twitter if they like, at Sarah Carradine, and you'll find everything that I'm doing on there. So next time on Crime Scene, we're going to cover the real bling ring Hollywood heist. So great suggestion, Emily, straight into the books. Uh, we will have returning guest Rebecca Lavoy, who you last heard from when we talked about Undercurrent. Uh, watch it on Netflix and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Emily Fox for joining us today on this very strange cruise. <laughs> Will from America for the theme music. Tricky Rice for the graphics and Chelsea Lesser and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed.